This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Dishonorable Widow Abigail will now speak. Attention all weirdos, losers, rednecks, white trash, aliens, outcasts, outliers, sluts, whores, gangsters, thugs, poors, and anyone else who the world and society don't care about. I have a podcast for you. Come join me at the Manic Pixie Weirdo where we talk about all the different kinds of relationships we have in our lives. From movies to math and suicide hotlines to sex. Join us every Saturday for a new episode featuring yours truly and other smarter folk. We need you and we want you with us. So come join us at the Manic Pixie Weirdo where we accept, respect, and value you. Listen on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh yeah, be kind and stay weird. It's fine. Oh, hi, and welcome back to Titanic Talkline. I just got yelled at by Zoom. I'm not used to it, and I don't like it, and I'm mad at it. But I am also here with Abigail from the Manic Pixie Weirdo Podcast. Hello. Hey. Does Zoom also yell at you, or does it only yell at the host? No, it yells at me, too. That's annoying. I always, like, preface it when, if I if I ever have to use, uh, if I ever have to use Zoom, I'm mm-hmm. always, I always, like, feel so bad, because I'm like, it might yell at you, so... I'm sorry. I'm just not used to that. So I'm like, whatever. Because again, uh, we were just discussing this off air a bit, but I would use Zencaster. And what that would do is very nicely count down from three in the corner without screaming at anybody. It was just, it was like those producers you see in movies where they go, and, and five, four. They just, they mouth it. They're silent. They've got it on beat. It's like great. perfect. Yeah. yeah. Zoom is more like a, the producer that just woke up. Action! Like, gee, yeah. Probably a little hungover and irritated. Basically. And just, like, you know. Right. Like, dude, we were all like ready to go. You were the one that's behind. Exactly. I don't know. Like, chill it out. <laughs> uh, well, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am. I am doing pretty good. I have been wrestling with trying to sew shiny spandex for a hot minute now this apparently on twitter this needed context so in february i this is this is gonna air in a couple weeks but i'm going to louisiana to play in a roller derby game that's mardi gras themed so there's team gold versus team purple and i'm on team gold so of course that means shiny fabric and i'm like a beginning seamstress i can do an easy dress pattern i'm like cool cotton got it Shiny spandex is kind of having like a you're not my grandma moment. Yeah, I I can I can sew. Mm-hmm. Um I and and I can do like like decent stuff and I can do like embroidery and like Ooh. um like that kind of stuff. I have caveat, I have not done it in like a really long time. So mm-hmm. like it's one of those things where it's like I'm sure it's kind of like riding a bike in the sense that like it would come back to me like right. when I started doing it. But Definitely. yeah, you're you're braver than I am with the spandex. I don't know if I could <laughs> Uh, have the patience i think it was easier in my head you know this is Mm. this is all of my problems where i'm like this isn't that hard (laughs) 
And then I, I could do, do this. And then you're like, oh no, actually. Oh my God. I had a moment like this. So my mom took me to a show here in Texas called Paranormal Sick. And it's touring in Texas. If you have a chance to go see the show, uh, do. I saw the Texas tour. I know there's a second one. Obviously, I think they're in another state. I didn't see that one because they're not in Texas. But um, they did a bunch of really, really cool, you know, circus acts. And it was kind of like gothy themed, which is what my mom was like, what's gonna be paranormal about? And I was like, I have a feeling it's just gonna be pyrotechnics and a lot of black clothes. And I was right. But I loved it. I was like, this is great. But at the end, there was this thing that I have not tried Googling, and I'm betting you there's a name for it, but I'm just going to sound real dumb. But it basically looks like it's got two ends to it. One's got a larger sort of wheel, and the other's got a smaller wheel. And this whole contraption rotates a bit like a circus ride, except in the larger wheel, a person is running and doing, like, jumps and stalls and stuff. Right. And I'm watching that, and I'm like, I bet I could do that. What is wrong with me? Like, I just watched the same guy who's doing this, by the way. He wasn't like a new um, acrobat. He had also earlier been doing like the parallel bars and all kinds of incredible shit. So this is not some moron. This is like a genuine circus performer. And I'm just watching him like, I think I could do that. What? He put a bag on his head and ran blind and then did like two jump rope jumps. And I'm like, I think I could do that. What is wrong with me? No, nothing. Because I have the same exact feeling. That was basically how podcasting started for me was i was just like oh it's not that hard it can't be that hard what do you need like a laptop a microphone like that's fine an idea um, yeah little did i yeah, my own arrogance is just like gets in, you know my own arrogance convinces me to do stuff and then i find out that and, and it gives me that like false confidence of like mm-hmm. i can do this i can totally figure this out like it's not it's not going to be that big of a deal like we'll fig- i'm smart right yeah. like i can figure this out and then I get there and immediately I'm like, oh, yeah, I was way wrong. Okay, yeah. this is a lot different than what I actually thought it was going to be. It's funny because I still want to try that thing. And I think here's why. Okay, I think I just correlated why I think I could do it. Um, so for a while, I used to do roller skating at skate parks. And one of the, you know, you know, because your wheels are strapped to your feet. So certain things like you can't jump off your skateboard on roller skates, like the things coming with you. So a lot of the tricks involve what's called stalling, where you kind of like stop on the coping or at the very top of where the bowl or the ramp is or where that like differentiating thing is for people to stand in is. So you'll kind of stand there, pause for a second, like strike a pose or do a jump or something. And that's that's the trick. It's like, look at me. I can stand on this thing and do a pose. Bye. And then you, you know, right. fall back into the abyss. And I learned some of those tricks and some of those seem similar to those jumps. So I'm kind of like, I think I could mm. do that. Maybe that's what I'd probably freak out once they put me in that hamster wheel. But also it looks like a lot of but all paranormal sir call me. I want to learn how to do this. I'll come train from the guy who actually knows how to do it. And he can just laugh at me for my own arrogance. And, and just that do can that be like the one. Yeah, just do that like one trick though. Like that's like, <laughs> you've got to like master that one thing and then just be like, and then I did it. And then yeah. we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I do things. And that's the long story short is I'm still working on this costume, which is admittedly, I didn't make it from scratch. I like bought a top and a skirt and I've been kind of messing with it. Okay. And that I wanted to add a sailor collar to it because I'm obsessed with sailor collars. And it was a little too long to the point where it was it was covering my knee pads. And I'm like, I don't like that in case I fall. I want my knee pads yeah. to have clear contact with the floor. But it's cut the hem up in the front a little bit. But it's like sewing that collar on has been giving me some some issues because it's just it's just it's not having it. Yeah. No. I yeah, I 
going it's it's a very like good skill to have yeah you know it's just not like it's 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 just not like like i like i said i can do it mm-hmm. i just like choose not to because yeah. i i don't it <laughs> It doesn't like bring me like I know people that like you do sewing yeah. and like it brings them immense joy. Like for sure. me, I just kind of look at it and go, oh, I have to do this. Like, yeah, it's know. more of a utilitarian skill. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I get. I, I actually enjoy it, Um, uh, particularly when I'm not working with this kind of material. I mostly like to work with things that are user because I like to make stuff that I would wear. Right. So that involves a lot of, you know, cotton, flannel and a lot of dark colors, which is great for a warm climate. But, you know, I saw this discussion online the other day and it would, it would, it got me thinking about it. And weirdly enough, I can tie this back to Titanic if I want to. Um, But it also just kind of goes back, not even as far as 1912, but this goes back as far as, you know, the seventies and eighties when sewing was a more economical way to save on clothing. Mm -hmm. You know, it did used to be, if you wanted to save money on clothing, you you could make it. And this was even true into parts of the nineties, very early parts of the nineties. But I would say mostly the last heyday was in the eighties. The nineties is kind of when fast fashion killed this industry because now, you know, the cost of material can be absolutely prohibitive, even for simple stuff. You know, something like spandex, I was messing, I'm messing around with, you know, joking about metallic shiny spandex. That stuff is expensive and, you know, you don't use that every day, but that's going to run you a minimum of $15 a yard. Jesus. But that's what I'm saying. And then even cotton, um, you can get broadcloth, which if, you know, you you want to use that on sale for things like $4 a yard, which which becomes okay. But if you want to get prints and cotton and stuff, that's going to start you at six, $7 a yard, which again, if you're making maybe children's clothes and you don't need as much yardage, literally it might be cheaper, but you, you, you just don't have the option, you know, back in 1912, fast fashion didn't exist. Your clothes were handmade. That's simply how it was. If you were rich, you got the nicer stuff. If you're poor, you weren't, but now it doesn't matter. It's hand making things is a privilege now for for clothing at any rate at least things that you can wear or things that you you know when you think about the overall cost because it's exceptionally expensive when you consider the cost of say a walmart t-shirt and jeans which granted i haven't been in a walmart recently but you know i imagine for the same cost as a couple yards of printed cotton fabric you can get a pair of jeans and a t-shirt yeah yeah um I had a friend growing up um, and her mom was like really big into sewing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she had like this whole room of like, like that's where her sewing stuff was. And she, oh my God, this woman would make the most beautiful, like, halloween costumes Mm. for her daughter um because her daughter was my friend obviously um (laughs) (laughs) um, but um because we were like you know when we were little and Mm. just i mean i just remember always being like so jealous because her costumes were just like immaculate i mean they Mm -hmm. were dropped they're absolutely beautiful and very well i mean because and her mom would literally like hand sew and i mean not not necessarily hand sew but like she had a sewing machine but you know what i'm saying and um drafting patterns by hand and doing the embroidery and cutting and the blah and the blah and the blah oh my gosh yeah and oh my gosh and one year she was like esmeralda for halloween (gasps) 
And she had, I mean, just the most like gorgeous costume you've ever seen in your life for a five-year-old. Like just with the with the beads and the like the tap. I mean, just like everything. Absolutely gorgeous. I just remember always being so jealous of of that. And then one year we all um one year we finally like uh her mom. I don't know how she did it, Mm -hmm. but she finally made us all like we were all going to be like 50s style, like girls, our little friend group. We were going to be like 50s style girls. Um, And we had like the poot and she made everybody like poodle skirts and like with all the stuff like, oh, my gosh, uh, just absolutely like amazing. And uh, but you I mean, but I do remember being it, it, it kind of being like. It, like to me it was presented as like a luxury yeah. um that she was able to do that because like I remember asking like my mom you know like why why we could like why we always had to kind of just buy like the store-bought mm-hmm. you know or like from which is fine you know yeah. there's nothing wrong with like it's fine um it they just definitely were not nearly as like beautiful you know well, sure um or well made but uh I remember and my mom kind of presented it as like well you know she has time like it takes time and that was really the first time that I like began to understand like not a cost benefit analysis but like I I began to understand that like like time like the concept of time is like Mm -hmm. valuable and I mean labor basically yeah right and I and that was when I was like oh because like she has the like and it in you know in my five or six year old brain like it was like oh you like really blew my mind Mm -hmm. but I just remember um you know I I remember watching Titanic and this this is why I brought this up but I do remember like watching Titanic and just thinking about like the costume design specifically of all the clothes and just going like because you know in my little kid head I thinking like oh my gosh somebody made all of that like and thinking about like how much time went into like just the costumes itself um and and it just like just blew my mind but yeah anyway well it reminds me how there's you know often that discussion where people bring up that um when we look at old photographs of this time period you know the 1920s 1910s 1900s the 1890s you know this sort of victorian edwardian into golden gilded age um when we look at those pictures they're usually in black and white so not only are you lacking the depth of the image, you often miss out on the colors and what people don't understand until you see these costume, well, not costume clothes. These were just what people wore. Yeah. You see these clothes in museums and stuff that they were colorful and rich and they were reds and purples and blues with gold. And then there was trim and there was different textures and shiny and this and that and they were these very 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 rich pieces we're talking exclusively about the stuff worn by the upper class by the way not by the people like us who were wearing (laughs) a brown dress and we were grateful for it yeah Um, pretty much but you know when you look at these photographs you miss out on the color of that and there was so much of that love in those clothes that you had the time because you, you didn't have the machine to compete with it was and especially if you were a high-end dressmaker, it was like, this is what it is going to take slash cost to make you this dress. And people yeah. would also meet with designers and like, confer, what do you want? It was a process. It was a thing. They would pick their own fabrics. They, The designers would lay out everything. And it was this time laborious process where, you know, 
you might cross the seas to Paris to get fitted for a whole new freaking wardrobe. Like the whole point of your voyage, some of those people, I bet some people on Titanic's entire purpose of being in London was for these exorbitant shopping trips to get outfitted because that's simply how things were done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like all an event kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And like everything was just, I don't know, like I'm, I have like a little bit of an obsession with like the styles that like, you know, were Please presented share. during those times. Um, I So I'm also Peaky Blinders, a side quest, is kind of is sort of set in like that same sort of like time period with like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but it's in it's it's set in England. And um, I am obsessed with like that look with like the vest and the hat and the pants with the suspenders and the, I like, like, I like, on, it too. like, on I want to wear it myself. Like, uh, yeah, like on the opposite sex, I've never seen like I, I, well, that's not true. I've seen, um, I've seen like women, um, be able to pull it off and oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh. It's just like the, it, I, I find it so, like, bring it back. Like, all I'm saying is like, I would not be opposed if we brought like the fashion back, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. and even to a certain, the only thing about the women's clothes that like corsets, well, Okay, a couple. I of don't things love about the wearing clothes. corsets. Yeah, a couple of things about the women's clothes. Um, one, too hot, too much. So many, like, like so many, so layers. many, so much. It's just too much. Uh, like I just couldn't. I I don't think. I think I would be able to wear it for like an hour, and then I would just be like, I'm literally dying of like heat stroke, and I it's can't just breathe. Like, so. <laughs> It's just an absolute abundance of layers. It's like, hey, did you think you had enough layers? Here's a coat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, fun fact about um, like the style back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know how like hemlines were super long? Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that I found out recently. Sorry, not to um, cut you up, but like basically everything was like floor length, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Like, literally uh, touching the floor, not mm-hmm. ankle floor. For okay, women. Yeah. yeah. For women. Well, specifically. for women. Right, right. Um, but one of the reasons why hemlines in America started to get shorter, um, like especially you see that you you see that really in like the 1920s and stuff. Yeah, is I found this out. Part of the reason that like that happened was because of tuberculosis, and it started being those long hemlines started being um marketed as like ew you're tracking in germs what germs could you <sighs> possibly be tracking into your home so hemlines started to get shorter um just based on like the advertising and like you know the illnesses of the time i thought it was interesting but yeah anyway it is amazing what marketing does i was talking about this with um a family friend yesterday about like how for a well like 10 years, not 10 years, but like for many, many years, you and I probably remember this really well in our demographic, Will, the Got Milk campaigns. Yes. Do you remember where it was like, if you turned, if you blinked for too long, a Got Milk ad would appear in front of you. It's just like you summoned them if you didn't think too hard about them. And it was everywhere. And it was touted as this miracle cure. If you don't drink it, your bones will wither away in front of you. And, you know, not to say that osteoporosis is not a concern, but it was brought up as this, like, this is it. This is the thing. 
And then we come to find out later that it's like, yeah, milk's not bad for you. It's just not that good for you. Like, yeah, not drink milk, but don't rely on it. And the same thing with um, tofu as a meat substitute for a long time. It was like, this is the best thing ever. You don't have to have meat. It is good for you. This is great for you. Eat it, eat it, eat it. You don't even need to balance out your protein in any other ways. It'll do everything for you. And again, and the same with everything in moderation concept, it's like, yeah, okay, tofu isn't that is is bad for you in large quantities. It's just not that great for you. Don't eat that much of it. And it's that thing where everything is constantly being sold to you. And it reminds me of that kind of thing where it's like, hey, hey, your dirty old hemline's bringing in germs. You should get a new dress, even though that one is only 42 minutes old. Right, exactly. I mean, imagine just, but anyway, I think the clothes are beautiful. And um. I I just I, I like the aesthetic of it as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's just very like classy and I love like the hairstyles. I think like those are really fun and um but yeah, anyway. Uh <laughs> I think we see a little bit more of the sort of graduated style in Rose's character. Mm-hmm. Um you'll see a lot more um, there's a lot less layers to her clothing. You can tell just by looking at her when you compare her to the older women around her that she is wearing fewer layers overall. She's still wearing a corset and sort of, you know, you see it in the corset scene where she's wearing the bloomier undergarments, but she might be wearing a slip and then her dress, but she's wearing things that are looser and more free and that don't allow for a lot of layers. You can, even though her clothes are quite restrictive, she can't get in and out of them on her own. They're much less restrictive than the previous ones and the corset design instead of being that extremely restrictive um, sort of back protruding design of the Victorian era is giving her more of that up and down, you know, very like, again, that flapper Mm -hmm. um, flat column style look. And because of that, you can see the necessity for her to have fewer layers. You can see some of her outfits where she's clearly wearing a lot more like that boarding outfit. Right. But then she takes off her coat and you can see she's wearing like an undercoat and then a blouse and then probably her undergarments. Again, I don't I am not a a master of fashion at the time, but you can see the transition from that. Even during the day, her mom is wearing these opulent, big hat, feathers, furs. There's there's so much to everyone's outfits at all times of the day. And hers just get a little bit more simple. They're still very expensive, but they're not quite so um loaded yeah bad word uh, it makes sense though i understand what you're going for um yeah that'd be the french the um the less layers i would assume because i mean they've always kind of just been on that like forefront of like fashion and mm-hmm. um you know and so i would uh, and she would have had the means yes. to be able to go to a place like france well especially and... after her engagement to cal i'm betting that right I'm betting you that even if she didn't want it, Cal probably understood the benefit to a well-dressed woman. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to say, like, he's an idiot, but even he probably knows it's like, this is my fiance now, and she must be the toast. Right, right. Uh, The, I mean, probably not the birth of the trophy wife, but definitely, like, more in the, you know, in that forefront, like, you know eye i would say of the public mm-hmm. you know um that high society that very cotillion-esque um air and aura kind of a thing um and so i yeah i mean obviously he's an idiot um massive issues r- huge red flags um, Looks not that she great had a choice in his outfits though oh billy oh. zane billy zane oh, in his gosh. suits 
the the problem with uh, the only problem I have with Billy Zane is that like Titanic kind of ruined him for me because now every time I see him in something else, I'm just like, oh, look, it's that it's one Cal. horrible guy. <laughs> I have to say, though, I like um did a great job with the role, though. Did a he did. fantastic job. But just speaking of his clothes, I really like his uh, boarding outfit when they arrive in the car mm-hmm. with the cap and the coat. And also, this is before we know his character. So Billy Zane is smiling very well. He's right. smiling. He seems happy. But there's an air with, you know, with the hat. And I think there's, you know, a little bit of patterning to it, like a, a light gray on gray check. But there's an air of sort of that fashion forward, young boyishness to it that you don't then get once he's aboard the ship when he's only wearing the black the suits mm-hmm. um but there's something i do like about that because it is a little you get a glimpse in the moment of that kind of men's fashion because everyone yes. else we see from that point in time is wearing suits and tuxes at all times um so it's a little harder to differentiate yeah yeah um no i think i i, I think that i mean obviously the costume design was absolutely like on point like they i'm i'm i I don't know who the costume designer was for i think her name is deborah scott nailed it nailed it like she completely you know absolutely nailed it like i it visually stunning just absolutely beautiful um you can tell the detailed work you can under you can tell the attention to detail um you know that they had um i think i think it's in the beginning um when who is cal who is the guy that like cal um has running around little <laughs> lackey boy what is so lovejoy yes um he has like a pocket watch and then and he like pulls it out and mm-hmm. pocket watches were a symbol of status in yep. men and um i i mean just everything just absolutely yeah. you know and obviously his taste in jewelry is wow just is wow he- i think titanic minute pointed it out and i haven't seen it since i'm trying to hold off on watching titanic until it's back in the theater so that i don't kind of like overdo myself i've watched movies to death before um i think they pointed out that he's got a pinky ring at some point and it's like that is a choice yeah at any era in time i don't care what year it was i you could find me a like be like ah did you know king tut had a pinky read ring be like nerd yeah, instantly just like lost a little bit of, you know, like, oh my, like, oh gosh, where's There needs the to be a reason. The reason needs to be like, well, I'm a widower and my wife had smaller hands, so it only fits on my pinky. I'll be like, that I will accept. Yes. But if you are using it as a fashion statement, nerd. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, <clears throat> I, I it's not a personal choice for me you know I, I i'm like this is not like you don't need this is it's too much it's just too it's it's too extra if you will for me pinky rings and toe rings are in the same pocket for me personally where i'm just like i i think that we just need to agree that we have judged each other and we need to separate wage yes. and just and it's fine yeah, yeah it's, it's like just... I'm not. It's like I'm judging you on that one decision, which I realize is shallow. But that's why it's like I'm going to remove myself because I'm being a bitch, and exactly. that leaves you free to enjoy your toe rings and your pinky rings. I'm just going to go. It's yeah, me. I don't actually. Yeah, I don't actually care 
it's no. more of just like uh there was an instant moment of judgment yeah yeah yep. and then I become fixated on it because I have problems and I'm just like I can't leave it alone <laughs> well but see I'm so socially awkward that I would just be like I, would I wouldn't inst- say anything I oh I would see oh. I I'm so socially awkward that I would just be like that's an interesting choice I think they and would then, just catch me staring and either think that I was judging them or I had a foot fetish, which is like neither of which is a flattering label in the moment. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I would, yeah, I, I would definitely point it out and, and it would have to, it would be a topic of conversation for probably about five minutes because I would need to know like what led someone to make these choices. Um, but that's because I'm a nosy bitch. So Amazing. it's fine. <laughs> I'm, Mm, yeah i'm the same i'm nosy and i'm a bit of an interfere like not in a bad way i I don't mean it in a bad way (laughs) well it's not that like i'll interfere but in situations where i'm like this person clearly is not in control of the situation i don't just stick my nose into things because i think they need help but it's like for example the last time i quote unquote interfered in something it was this um someone was i like clearly overdosed on a bench so i was like i'm gonna go deal with that and call 911 i was yeah. like that's interfere that's the kind of interfering i get up to but i am nosy in a way however i don't know that i would say anything to someone if i saw it again i just think they would notice because i i would be unable to let it go they're also just yeah. really not com- they're not common like there's certain certain trends that say a lot about you that are uncommon so when you see them it's just kind of like oh there we go mm-hmm yeah i mean i would say that like just be jack nosy you know yeah i mean you know be jack nosy like that's a good amount of nosiness i think but you also Um, find out what you find out necessary info and then you don't tell anyone else well yeah that goes back to like can you keep a secret kind of a thing can you hear something once and never say it again i can and some well some people can some people can't but some people can and um you know uh I think Rose got incredibly lucky that she found Mm -hmm. somebody um, for however brief a period um, was not only willing to like keep her like give her that safe that like emotional safety that she needed but also like kind of be a little nosy and go what are you doing what's really going on here like are you okay you know an element of nosiness that comes with care and yeah you know i know that it's kind of like how there's a difference between snitching and tattletaling right or like whistleblowing or something precisely to where it's like i hate like i don't i love and i hate the like the expressions like snitches get stitches or i'm like people use the word snitch just to anyone who like now was like oh you told it's like, yeah, if you're doing a shitty thing, right? that's not snitching. Snitching is turning you in for petty shit that won't get you in trouble. Snitching yeah. is telling people you're a human trap. It's like, it's like telling someone is telling them you're a trafficker. Snitching is if you stole a Snickers bar and then I got mad at you. So I went back and told them about it. That's right. snitching. And I yeah. should be shamed for that. But if you stole a Snickers bar by punching someone in the face. Right. Then and I tell someone about it. That's not snitching. That's being like, you need to be held responsible for your actions because they were not okay. There's a level of accountability, I think, in the right. difference between like whistleblowing and like snitching, because like there, there, like to me, there is a difference. Like whistleblowing yes. to me is understanding that like something like 
is like understanding that something's not right here. I may have been involved, Mm -hmm. um, but without realizing it. Um, but the minute that I realized that like some shady shit was going down, um, I immediately decided, hey, I'm out and somebody needs to know about whatever is going on here. Mm-hmm. Because it's not good. <laughs> kind of like nothing ethical or like moral or like good or whatever you want to call it is like coming out of this. Um, right. And but then but then but snitching would have been something like, you know, when they asked Jack like Mm -hmm. in that very beginning scene when we very first like see him with rose they're putting the cuffs on him and they're asking what happened right like rose tells her little story right that would have been a situation in which like if he had said anything other than like you know no actually like i was just trying to help her Mm -hmm. um like actually she bent over because she was she actually that none of that happened like and he just like that's snitching you know right because it would have been if he element. was like no she was already on the other side of the thing she was like crying she, she was liberal. trying like, to kill she was herself. already jumping like, i was trying yeah. to grab her yeah that would have been throwing her under the bus yeah that's a throw that's that's you know but he didn't do that he did right. he did the thing he did what he was supposed to do in that moment and it and i think that that you know i think that scene really like you know, you see a lot mm-hmm. in that scene. Um, again, costume design. I love the handcuffs. The um, just those like old style, mm-hmm. like you know, because you can see. I just sorry, I've had to say that, <laughs> but yeah, you can hear them snapping into place and, and everything. It's yeah. that old school kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's very well done. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, and so I, or or snitching would have been like, you know, he he told everybody at dinner something you know like like cal probably was be like a snitch like i could see cal being a yeah. snitch. well it's like that's exactly what lovejoy's job is he's the professional snitch like that is what he does that's snitching that's when you go looking around for something just to go you know you know the kids that would be like miss they took an extra one candy it's like jesus christ john right no right. one fucking asked you that's snitching but like snitching is not um we saw them punching john under the slide that is making sure that bullies get how to held accountable it's like there's a really big difference between the two and and it kind of drives me crazy that sometimes people use it like when you just get caught doing something you didn't want to do you're like they snitch it's like no they didn't you're being held accountable for your actions that is right the prime difference here well but then you also have to you know then i i would take it a step further and say that you also have like you get a choice at that point. Like once the deed is done kind of a thing, you get a choice on to whether or not you are going to take accountability for the action for those actions or not. And Mm -hmm. I think that the true test is whether or not somebody decides to take accountability for that, or if they just start pointing fingers, if that makes sense. I agree. And I think that, um, that conversation that we see later on with Rose and Jack on the boat deck, kind of shows a not very extreme example of that where he they're having a good open honest dialogue until he asks her the stall question do you love him and suddenly she blue screens and loses her mind um and you know it's because she was not being honest with herself and she wasn't again taking accountability of her own feet like there was there was very little in her control I mm-hmm. will give her that. There was very little in Rose's control, but what was in her control was like, how do you feel about this? He was asking her a question. She was just like, you're rude. Give me that. 
And it's like, that's kind of yeah. a nasty response. And she never actively apologizes to him. She just like compliments his work and smooths over it. Yeah. But yeah. He's also um, very kind in that situation where he takes that with grace and doesn't call her out on it because again, you know, unlike other people who probably would have like literally slapped her across the face for it, he was like, you're going through something and I see that. So I'm going to be graceful about that with you. Right. And I think that there, um, sorry, there's a lot um, to that, which, uh, which is one of the reasons why like, I think it gives his character so much like more depth. Like I, I do like, and Cal, like Cal's character has depth to him. Sure. It's, it's, it's more shallow though, I would say, but that's okay because that's who he, that's like, that's mm-hmm. who Cal is, you know? And like, it makes sense. Like the, the choices make sense for like who Cal is. Right. Um, and the kind of person that he is and the, like he wants to be kind of a thing um, or aspires to be or whatever. Um, but I, I I think that, that that character contrast is like very um important that they had that like drastic contrast of like, no, no, this is this is what it looks like for Rose to have that person that where she was finally, uh, it, probably for the first time in her life, able to see what it looks like when somebody actually cares about you. And when some and 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 to understand that, like, you know, there's more to this whole thing about like relationships than just whatever this is whatever this playing house or dress up that you're doing with like everybody else's like it there's there's more to it and it it doesn't have to be this tumultuous like screaming ride the whole time like you can have peace you can find peace yeah you don't have to be nervous all the time because you also notice that not when they're in public so much, but when it's just the two of them, she's very, even when she's being sassy, she's very withdrawn. You'll notice that she, you know, when they're having tea, she's sitting very far back in her chair. She has her cup and her saucer right by her chest. Um, very much like, hi, I'm a meerkat. Mm-hmm. Extremely small, ready to take flight at any time. Yeah. And she doesn't, you know, to her credit, when he, when he flips the table and freaks out at her, I mean, she very stalwartly sits through it and you know that probably took a lot of self-control and you see as soon as he leaves she has panic attack um but you know she which fair absolutely fair (laughs) but you notice this even before he displays explosiveness in the movie at any rate when he comes in to give her the diamond like as soon as he comes in she was looking in her mirror like she immediately stops doing that puts the mirror down puts her hands in her lap it's like very much like kind of looking around like why are what why are you here like what are you what's what's happening and she never shows any of this fear in that outright way but is very much she has a reaction a visceral reaction to him when especially when they're alone because you know I'm, he he's not gonna hit her in public ruin right. his image but uh, you know it just goes to show that she's not used to having a safe place and you even see when her mother comes into her dressing room later on she doesn't relax it's not if like anything, a, she gets more tense. more tense, right? Exactly. You know? She's these, and these are the people in, in in her life who, in their own ways, love her. This is her mother. This is yeah. the man who wants to marry her. And when they come into the room, she has a visible changed reaction when they are alone. Like, please don't leave me with these people. Yeah. But then when she's I mean, alone, she like, literally mm-hmm. takes off from yeah. dinner. You know, she literally is running 
you know, down the bow of a ship or not the, I don't know. I don't know ship terms. I'm just making stuff up. Um, but down, down, down the ship. Running. The whole, She's basically the length I mean, of the she, ship. And I, I, I always find that scene very, like, very powerful because it's like, for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but one of those reasons, one of those big reasons is it's like, we needed, I, I, I need to see that physical, like, reaction of like her running away and just being like i i i i I don't know how to take this anymore like i don't know it's that line in the movie where she's like i'm sitting in a crowded room screaming at the top of my lungs and no one even looks up like that's that's her life Mm -hmm. that's that's how her life is and for all intents and purposes and for all she knows that's going to be her life until she dies well, that's what she says later on, uh, not later on, beforehand. The beginning of that monologue, I think, is, uh, I mean, this is not going to be verbatim, but it's something like, I saw my life as if I had already lived it. Yes. An endless parade of, like, yeah, parties. Cartillions and... and yachts and polo matches, always the same narrow people and the same mindless chatter. And then I, there's a, a little bit more. And then she goes, the, you know, I felt like I was standing. Uh, she goes, I, no, this is a different monologue. This is an internal monologue where she says, I felt as though I was standing on the, on a, on the edge of a great precipice with no one to pull me back or even noticed. Mm-hmm. Later, the dialogue I, you're talking about is when she explains it to Jack verbally. And that's, and it's fascinating because the first time we're presented with it, is this internal monologue and then she just takes the fuck off running but then she's able to verbalize those feelings but that's part of the evolution of her character Mm -hmm. which i find really compelling yes um sorry but um yeah no i mean it's just um i mean among other things you know i think the film was pretty well written um Mm -hmm. and i think the character development um very very well done on the actors parts like you know so yeah no i i do like their characters and i also like that it portrayed maybe not always in the world's most delicate way but it did you know it portrayed a person who is going through a severe depression mm-hmm. which is especially not something that's talked about in young people. Like she's 17 years old experiencing basically this massive tsunami of abuse, Mm -hmm. you know, sinking deeper and deeper into this depression to where she is suicidal. Mm -hmm. And as she points out, no one, no one's, no one notices. And, you know, she also is like, even wonder, you know, she's like, I don't even think they care. And that's you know very much how she feels and she's alone in the situation but then you know out of the weirdest happenstance she meets a person who acknowledges her just as another person which is a start which is i think incredibly important for her journey like as Mm -hmm. as who she is um because it i think she be i think what jack does for her is one among many many things that jack does for her because it's not just one thing mm-hmm. um but he gives her a chance to be human yes 
You know what I'm saying? And he gives her a chance to like explore that humanity within herself. And, and he, and in, in the most basic way, I mean, he literally asks her at one point in the movie, you know, like the, the spin, the, the, the scene where they're like spitting, you know, and he literally asks her, you know, like, would you ride a, like, can you ride a horse? And she's like, and he's like, not, no, 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 no. Like ride a horse, not that side saddle stuff. Like can't like two legs. And she's like, what do you mean? Like two legs over the side. And he's like, yeah, like ride a horse. (laughs) And and she's like, well, I guess we'll like, you know, well that and she like puts it on a list of things that she like wants to do, Mm -hmm. you know? And, but he, I mean, that 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 would be like the equivalent of someone today asking, what's your favorite dinosaur? Like, the, yeah. you know, what I'm saying? and not having an answer, like and, and not knowing an well, and not knowing what that would be, because nobody's ever asked you like, yeah, it kind of seems like a like a silly question. Mm-hmm. But it's it, it's 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 very similar to, you know, the what's your favorite color? Like, these are basic questions that like, right. you know, human beings should be able to explore within themselves if that makes sense it does and you you raise a great point in that you know for the first time in her life someone's considering her and her experiences and you know everything up until this point has led us to believe that she has had no say in anything from her clothes to the guy she's marrying to where she's going and even about the small things she tries the waiter asks her what she wants for lunch and it's not like women aren't allowed to order this is the a la carte restaurant women could order. you see her mother order two seconds later so it's not like she wasn't allowed but it was just like oh i'm gonna order for you it's like do you even like lamb just like what if she was allergic do you even know yeah i mean or who who cared it's that great line that molly brown or that yeah that molly brown says is you gonna gonna cut her meat for for two there kyle yeah (laughs) like she gets it like molly gets it she does and i think you know going back just quickly to her character historically she is she is new money so she would have come from a place where you know women may have had a greater share in the household um and just because you know it was an all hands on deck kind of situation you know when you didn't have any money people did have a little more autonomy because you needed everyone's hands involved in running the house and the farm and the home and the business or whatever the case may be so she knows how society works now, but she also is fully aware that like every other woman at the table ordered their own freaking food. Yeah. Just not her. But it's one more way where it's like, no, you don't get to choose. And like she chose lavender bridesmaids dresses. That's not even her dress. She's not even wearing them. It's kind of the thing where the only choices she gets are the silly ones. And even those are often taken away from her. And someone finally is like, you even like that guy or have you ever been to Wisconsin or do you know what ice fishing is? Like, right. He's asking her these questions and she's just like, of course I know what ice fishing is. And you know, but he's like, why would I assume that about you? I don't know you. Yeah. Like yeah. he's, she's meeting someone who's not assuming stuff about her. Well, right. except well, that she's a kind of an indoor girl. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, But I feel like that's, that's a little bit, that that's like the toe ring judgment. It's one of those like, well, I'll give it to him. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she does look like kind of an indoor girl she's the palest person on that ship oh oh my gosh and so yeah um, i would look at her and be like yeah that person doesn't go outside oh i mean it's not an unfounded like no you know it's definitely not unfounded yeah it's like sorry i only thought you were a vampire continue i mean i didn't even know you could come out in the sun um (laughs) are you allowed outdoors were you can you see your reflection down there 
Right. <laughs> um, I mean, it's translucent, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the look, you know, that was the yeah. look because, um, it, you know, at one time, the paler you were, mm-hmm. the more beautiful you were considered because it was considered a status symbol. Yeah, you um, didn't have to as go far outside. as yeah, you didn't have to go outside. It wasn't until much later in the early twenty, or not in the early twentieth century, but it wasn't. It wasn't until later in the early in the twentieth century, probably mid twentieth century, when the like tan look came in because it meant that you could afford like a tropical vacation. You could go somewhere. You could afford to do that. Um, and, it's not and, even a standard worldwide, though, because you go to other countries, no. especially Asian countries. Like, I'm half Indian, and last time I was there, my aunt took me to um, a beauty salon. And this, in case you're wondering if it is an awkward experience to have someone work on your hair and your nails when they don't speak a single word of your language, yes, yes, it is. Um, uh, they're very nice, though. But they, at one point in time, when I was sitting near my aunt, they got to asking some questions Um. And they asked me, because I'm very pale, they were like, what, my aunt starts laughing and she leans over and me goes, they want to know what skin lightening cream you use. And I just like, was like, oh, well, tell them that I don't, I'm just born this way. And then I told her, tell them that in America, people pay hundreds of dollars to go tanning indoors. So I wait for her to do the translation and then I hear about two beats of silence before I'm pretty sure the foundation shook with laughter. They were like, the fuck is wrong with you people? I mean, I'm not. It was a baffling. It was the funniest thing they'd ever heard of. Yeah, I mean, we could go on and on about beauty standards. Oh, yeah. It was just. But oh it's yeah, very no. funny how it's so I mean, different. And I'm a hundred percent like guilty of that. Like I can't. I I I'm terrified of tanning beds, so I don't do that. I but I I will occasionally use the um the like spray. The, like, I have tanning done spray or whatever. <laughs> I used to do artificial tanning because I went to I had a Planet Fitness membership, so you get like free use of massage chairs on their tanning and stuff. But I was like, well, oh. it's free. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, and it, in case you're wondering, it does work. Um, it's not good for you. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, do, I don't recommend it. Yeah, no, I just, no, 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 no. I don't no. recommend it. <laughs> no, I, I don't either. I mean, melanoma is a real thing. And as you were saying, if you really do need slash want the look, get, go for the spray. I mean, I know that there's there's a few more things that can go wrong with a spray tan. I also know it doesn't last quite as long, but it's not quite as bad for you. It's just... Yeah. And there are brands out there that like, you know, last longer than others and don't, you know, smell really bad or whatever, like, you know, <laughs> right. like, but all the stuff that comes with it. But uh, to be perfectly honest, like, I, it's a lot of work. It and is. I, and I just like, don't want to. So I don't do it very often, which, which means that I still have, I may or may not still have a bottle of stuff that's like okay. half full in my kitchen or not in my yeah in my kitchen in my Here, kitchen whatever. that's where I keep it um whatever. no in my bathroom <laughs> but I mean but yeah I mean but again we could go on and on about beauty standards yeah, but I, I just... mean no I mean she it, 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 it's a whole thing like it's a whole thing and I don't even think that like if you were to ask Rose's character at the beginning you know like why do you dress like that? Like why do you, you know, why 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 do you wear the clothes that you wear? Why it it would be a very simple answer in this like she would have an answer, but it wouldn't be a satisfying answer, at least not for me. And I I have a I venture to guess that the answer would go something along the lines of, you know, well, this is what was given to me to wear. 
This is my dinner dress. I have seven dinner dresses and I like this one. Right. Um, And that's about the extent to which. Sorry. That's about the extent to which, um, you know, is there a cat conversation? A dog. Sorry. Oh, the, the for viewers at home, the, her uh, laptop screen is Bob Ulling. So I yeah. assumed there was a, a a fuzz monster around. There is. There's two actually. Oh. Um. Okay, I think we're good. But yeah, no, I I think you're right in that you know she probably didn't have a whole lot of say in in much of anything. And then again, you're you're confronted with someone who's like, well, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And and she's like, well, will you show me how to ride a horse? You're going to have to show me how to ride a horse. You're going to have to bring me to a roller coaster. You're it, like, you, this is this is it. You're going to have to show me how to spit, which honestly was the grossest scene ever. And I really hate that it's in the movie and we're just going to move right along. But, you know, and then he takes her down to third class and he's like, she's like, I don't know this dance. It's like, there's not a dance to know. Just yeah. dance. Like, you don't need to. This isn't knowledge. This is just dancing. Have fun. What do you come on? Dance, drink, kick back, right. relax have a good time like do you know it's it's do you know how to have a good time (laughs) yeah like that's almost the question that like is being asked like do you know how to have fun Mm -hmm. do you know what fun is what what is fun to you because fun is different for everybody so like you know what is fun to you and you can see like throughout that scene where she kind of she kind of like loosens up and like you know like we'll get into it and she and she does have a good time you know and then is immediately chastised for it like Mm -hmm. immediately um had to be expected though like she had to know that was coming surprised she didn't wear a neck brace for the rest of the shit like show after that ridiculous whiplash she must have gotten because that's an insane 180 where it's like um i think satanic men also pointed out it's like she was just spending all night smoking and drinking and dancing and having the best time and then she gets probably woken up by the maid at X a time to go to church. Well, actually to have breakfast before church. So it's like, yeah. A, I'm tired. B, potentially hungover. Depends on how much she drank. C, don't want to be around these people. D, Spanish Inquisition. Great. Right, right. And All I before mean, like 10 a.m. I know. I thought that's exactly what I was going to say is that like, you know, and it, it probably was like, oh, dark 30 when she was woken up, mm-hmm. you know, and like just very, you know, like I she handled that with so much like dignity and class like i could never well this goes back to like you know they normally say fight or flight but then you forget to acknowledge fawn or freeze and you Mm -hmm. can tell that her response is usually very much to freeze freeze in private yeah on in public or with her mom because i think she knows her mom's not gonna beat her up or if she is she can fight back right 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 Um, right. but yeah with cal in public she's darling very you know puts on the face she needs to she'll fight a little you know with the freud comments and stuff but yeah most of her reactions you know again which is common unfortunately with abuse victims is to freeze which you know i was not ever physically abused in a relationship i was i've never that's never happened before but i was with someone who had a unpredictable moods because they have a psychotic disorder And it was kind of like walking on eggshells all the time because you're like, what am I going to say today that's just going to flip the switch and we're going to argue and we're going to break up and it's going to be a thing and then I'm going to be upset. It was always this kind of like, what now? Well, it's that, yeah, yeah, that feeling of like, you're so, the best way I can describe it is like being paralyzed Mm -hmm. um, with fear and 
to the point that you are so terrified that if you step outside of this little box that you have been basically like designated to, then if you put, you know, if you put one toe out of line, if you, you know, if you step any pivot, any movement, any sort of like anything that be that could be construed as thinking about maybe possibly mm-hmm. doing something that is outside that box um, would be considered what what has the potential to set some, has the potential to set somebody off exactly um, and again yeah it, the best way i can describe it is just like you're just paralyzed with fear that you just like cannot like any you you, you just i'm just because eventually what the point that you get to is where you're just like i'm just gonna stand here because mm-hmm. any it doesn't matter what i do say think feel like it it's all wrong and <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens like it's just all wrong and i think that without jack she i mean i think that without jack those walls were beginning to really really Mm -hmm. really close in and that box was slowly and slowly shrinking and she was beginning to realize and that's you know i think that's what you know led her to you know to flee to run to just like you know and and and, and and all of the things but it's also what at the end of the movie when you see all the pictures of all the things that she's done it allowed her to be able to expand that box and realize that you should, that it doesn't have to be this way you can you can escape this you can yeah and that's it's important to have those people in your life and to acknowledge and recognize them when you do, because, you know, it is rare to find people that see you for you from the go, give you the benefit of the doubt during a rough time and stick around through it. It's, you don't often find those people. And, you know, she obviously ends up being able to pay it back by literally saving his life with an ax. But, you know, if that hadn't happened, I don't think he would have ditched her and been like, well, bye. Or, right. or been like, you owe me now. The You know, he was just being a human to her in a way that she'd never experienced. And that allowed her to become human with him. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the thing that I think makes their relationship really, really great. Because he didn't need her to change. The only changes he needed her to make was to stop being what they wanted and start being what she wanted. Right. And I think that's a good change. Which I was going to say, to be perfectly honest, if if somebody is asking you to change, that's like the best way possible mm-hmm. that somebody could ask you to change, you know, because it's it's that pause. It's that like healthy version of change, you know, where, yes, of course, it's still scary. It's going to be painful. It's going to yeah. hurt. It's going to be you're going to have, you know, it's it's going to be a thing. Uh, but it's also but that's what makes it an adventure because it is all of those things. It's also exciting and new and mm-hmm. you know you get to just and 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 all of a sudden it opens this world to you where you get to where it's it's like now I get you mean I get a choice mm-hmm. you mean I get to decide all of these things like I get to choose what my favorite dinosaur is I get to decide how I want to ride a horse like it it can it, it it's like anything especially yeah. with an adventure it's a mix and that and it allowed her to like have that 
at first, you know, for the first time, I think probably in her entire life, it allowed her to like have that and experience, um, you know, joy and fear and like in a, in a very, very, very authentic way. Something that like is something that is not, that is just a reaction from like, or like a fear-based reaction to like, I have, if I don't do this, then this will happen. So I must do this in order to prevent this from happening. It's, it's more of a a freeing Mm -hmm. feeling, you know, does that make sense? It does. Um, I'm coming up on my time with you, but before I let you go, I realized I didn't ask you my first question, which is uh, normally my lead in question. So uh, what's your Titanic story? Why don't you, why don't you tell me that? Okay. So, yeah, so I have one Titanic story that um, is kind of funny, but also it was kind of traumatizing to be perfectly honest with you. Um, (laughs) So So most good memories start, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, So I, was introduced to Titanic very young. I forget when did it come out? Ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, late, late ninety seven. Yeah. Um. So I was four. Um. And I obviously I did not see it when I was. I I don't think I would have been able to like grasp or understand anything. Mm. Um. But I did watch it. Um. Pro- I was probably about eight. Um. Mm-hmm. When I very first started getting into it, fell in love with it immediately. Loved the love it. Um. We obviously when it came out on vhs because i'm old um you know uh we got the two box set of the vhs's um you know did the intermission situation all the stuff (laughs) you have to (laughs) have to have to go to the bathroom get popcorn all the stuff um and uh so i i was we were watching i was watching in the living room um the movie titanic um and it was coming up to like one of the really sad parts of the movie where like the boat is sinking and they're all trying to get on the lifeboats and like you know and every and they're saying like women and children first like you know all this stuff and there's that scene right where that dad where you see that dad and he's like you know they're they're gonna like i'll, I'll be on the next one like uh, i'll be you know like, heartbreaking uh, right? Heartbreak. dad right heartbreaking right and um I just remember my dad walking through the living room going, you know, I wouldn't have been like, I would have died basically (laughs) on the boat. And I just remember like, there was a moment of shock. And then there was like this overwhelming sense of like, oh my God, dad, no. And I just, I lost it. I like completely, cause it like, it never occurred to me before that like, no, I get it. And I traumatizing, completely traumatizing for an eight-year-old. And I, and then he left. He left. That is he such left. a dad thing to do. It, it was a very dad move to like say something like that to his ch- to his children, and then just be- just like immediately be like I have something else to do. Like I can't. Yeah, you just come in and say something completely off kilter, and then just leave like you're in a big dad hurry. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, oh my gosh, I I remember, and I remember just like just being like a wreck. Like it was like no, no, no. Like uh, I would have stayed with you. Like all just all the things, you know. And uh, but yeah, that's so that's my that's my Titanic story. <laughs> that's great. I <laughs> I kind of love that because again, it is such a dad move just to be like, hey, really insert is. depressing fact here. Bye. Right, exactly. It's it. It was yeah, for sure. Like, did nobody nobody asked you? Jeez, yeah. Ugh, 
Well, Abigail, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. It is always good to see you and talk to you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Yeah, and hopefully the recording works this time. Listeners, my first one completely just, ugh. It put itself in the bin. It's all good. Well, thank you so much for coming by. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So fun. I want to thank Abigail again so much for coming on the show. It was amazing. It was fun and it was great. And if you want to get in touch with her, she has a really, really handy link where you can find all of her contact information, her website, her Twitter, her PayPal, her TikTok, her Reddit, her YouTube, her email address. And that is Mimi, M-I-M-I dot link, L-I-N-K slash the main weirdo, all one word. So again, that's Mimi dot link slash T-H-E. M-A-I-N-W-E-I-R-D-O. Um, just so it's easier if you want to follow her on Instagram. Her Insta user is the underscore main underscore weirdo one, the number. And if you want to follow her on Twitter, you can follow her at twitter.com slash MP weirdo podcast. And I will see you guys in the next one. Bye. Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word, Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at Titanic Talkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's Titanic Talkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!